Coming up on this episode, we kick off our Pride Month programming with husbands and authors Stephen Rowley and Byron Lane, who are here to talk about their brand new books. Welcome to episode 424 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of queer romance fiction. I'm Will, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Jeff. Hello, Rainbow Romance Reader. It is great to have you here with us as the Super Summer bonus episodes continue. As always, this podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. If you'd like more information about what we offer to patrons, including a monthly bonus episode that you'll find nowhere else, and the opportunity to ask questions to our guest, just like Fiona does in this very episode, go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. There's so much great stuff happening right now as we launch into Pride 2023. We talk about all the great books that are coming out this month every Friday in our podcast newsletter. But in addition to that, we've got even more great news to share. Yeah, there's a few things that we do want to highlight. First up, one of our favorite YA books, Queer as a $5 Bill by Lee Wind, is now a podcast. Lee joined us back at episode 194 in 2019. And boy, does it not feel like it was that long ago <laughs> to talk about this book that focuses on a young man who causes a major backlash in his hometown when he brings to light the real history and evidence that indicates that Abe Lincoln was queer and in love with a man. Lee has turned the audiobook, which is narrated by the amazing Michael Crouch, into a podcast. And every Thursday in June, he's going to be dropping multiple chapters of the book. Now, Lee's releasing it in this way for free, not only to celebrate Pride Month, but also as a response to the banning of queer books, history, and information across the U.S. By making the book free and available through the podcast platforms, it's available to any young person who wants to hear it, regardless of where they live or if it's available in their libraries. As Lee said when he announced this podcast release, quote, If I'd found out that Abraham Lincoln was in love with another man back when I was 13 or 15, it would have changed my whole life. Growing up gay and closeted, the idea that important people in history were also guys who like-liked other guys might have helped me love myself a little bit more. It certainly would have given me hope. While I don't have a time machine to go back and give my books to myself when I most needed them, I could pay it forward. Queer as a $5 Bill, the podcast, is a way to empower the young people who need this today. Queer as a $5 Bill, the podcast, is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. We love so much that Lee is putting this great book out there for young people, and we hope it finds its way to them during Pride Month or any month thereafter. If you could help spread the word about this, we certainly hope that you'll do so. Also, just released is Volume 6 of the Love Is All Anthology. It is so great to see this new edition out there, and oh, there are some terrific authors included this year. You've got B.L. Maxwell. You've got a collaboration between Chantel Murr and Susan Scott Shelley. There's Connor Peterson, Gabby Gray, Nick Starr, Sean Michael, V.L. Losey and R.J. Scott write together. You've got Lee Blair, Zio Axelrod, and Piper Malone. This anthology is benefiting three organizations this year. The Unity Coalition is a Latinx and indigenous organization in Florida that organizes and supports several LGBTQ arts, leadership, and awareness programs across the state. Out Memphis offers direct aid and support programs to queer and trans people in Tennessee. The organization also runs the Metamorphosis Project, which is a program that provides emergency support and transitional housing to unhoused LGBTQ youth. And then there's Lucy's Place, which is named for Lucy Marie Hamilton, a young trans woman who died in 2009. This is a nonprofit in Arkansas that provides services to unhoused LGBTQ young adults. Ah, so many great organizations serve there. 
Love Is All is available for a very limited time anywhere you buy eBooks, so make sure to grab up your copy ASAP. And lastly, this is something that both celebrates Pride as well as National Crime Reading Month, which honestly, I didn't know was a thing, but it's kind of cool that it is. Authors Charlie Cochran, Claire London, and Fiona Glass have brought together a group to celebrate the month with Bringing Crime Out of the Closet, a celebration and exploration of LGBTQ plus characters in crime fiction over the years. Now, during the month, many authors are going to share some of their favorite reads and discuss how they see the role of LGBTQ plus characters in the genre today. It's a great lineup of authors throughout the month, including some who've been guests on this very show in the past, including C.S. Poe, Gregory Ash, and Hank Edwards. You can find out more and read the posts from the contributors at bringcrimeoutofthecloset.wordpress.com. And of course, we'll have links to all of these things in the show notes as well. Well, all of that is completely amazing. Will you say we keep the amazing pride ball rolling and smoothly introduce this week's guests? Absolutely. We couldn't really think of a better way to kick off Pride Month than to have husbands and authors Stephen Rowley and Byron Lane join us. Stephen's been here before, two years ago, when we talked about the gunkle. This time out, he's talking about his latest, The Celebrants, which focuses on a queer group of college friends and the reunions that they have. It's got major, big, chill vibes, and it's been everywhere in the news lately. It's been featured on Amazon billboards in New York. It has become a read of Jenna Hager's from the Today Show. It's really great to see this getting so much attention. Byron's also just released Big Gay Wedding, which centers on a gay wedding happening in a small southern town. As you'll hear in the interview, it's kind of a mashup of Father of the Bride, Steel Magnolias, and maybe a dash or two of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and Tu Wong Fu. Besides the books, we're going to find out from them about being a creative couple who is releasing books at the very same time. They've also got book recs, and we'll find out what pride means to them in 2023. Stephen and Byron, welcome to the podcast. It's wonderful to have you here to kick off Pride Month. Thank, thank you so much for having us. We're honored. And Stephen, before we get too far into this, I got to give you major congratulations. Just a few days ago, you were named the winner of the 22nd Thurber Prize for American Humor. You're you're up in company with like John Stewart, Trevor Noah, David Sedaris. That's amazing. Yeah, I really, I feel a lot of pressure to be funny now, so I'll try, but we'll see. No, I, I, I'm still on cloud nine from, uh, I'm sure it will sink in one day. I'm not sure today is yet, quite yet that day, but it really is a real honor to have a book like The Gunkle, which was my last book, be up for, for a prize like that. I, I sort of think I swindled the the Thurber committee a little bit in that it's it's really a book about grief, but hopefully it's also very very funny. And it was truly an honor to be in, in Columbus, Ohio this weekend where the, the Thurber House is and to, to accept that award. So I'm, I'm just thrilled. Yeah, it made me so happy to see that on Twitter. It's like, look at that. That's amazing. <laughs> and like two years later, the book is still gathering. Well, yes, we talked about it when the book first came on. And that's two years ago. And it's the little book that could it just keeps going and going and going. So there, there is something about it that has touched readers. And I'm so grateful for that. Absolutely. And Byron, you've got your own book now coming out too. In fact, you've both got books coming out on the same day. It's so crazy, but it's also really exciting. I mean, sure, there's some competition going on in here, <laughs> but but I'm glad I get to do some joint events with Steven and, and see what it's like out there. You know, my, my first book, Stars Board, came out during COVID, so no one was doing any events. So this is the first time with Big Gay Wedding that I get to kind of hit the road and, and see what all the fuss is about. Is there a big travel schedule kind of on deck for you two, like going out on tour and whatnot? 
<laughs> we're doing a bunch of events together, which I think will be fun. Well, ask us again at the end of this uh, <laughs> podcast recording. We'll see how our, our two act, our double act sort of goes, but we're sort of like Roxy and Belma from Chicago. We'll see. <laughs> Did we get a song and dance number later? Yeah, in the, in yeah. The... but it's all just coincidence. We have different agents, different publishers. We wrote the books at different times. It's just the stars align that somehow they are coming out on the same day. So we've decided to lean into it and, and have a little fun. Other The alternative is that we break up and never talk again. So that, that doesn't seem... No, that doesn't that's, seem... that's not... Happily ever afters. That's what we're yeah. about. So it was just like coincidence that the publishers dropped them on that same day. Because I love seeing on Amazon, when you're looking at the hardback, it's like, buy these two things together. <laughs> That's like the best compliment in the world when when people can say that. I mean, of course, I, I love this guy. So I'm in that way a fan of his work, but also just as a reader, like Stephen's work touches on heart and humor in a way that I aspire to and hope mine does too. And so it's it's not really like we're writing two wildly different things. We're not like one a sci-fi guy, yeah, one a speculative nonfiction or yeah. something, you know, crazy. But yeah, that is a, I guess that's a you know, who else has that endorsement of their marriage a little bit? If you like this one, you'll like this one. If even the algorithms think we're well paired, then I think we're doing okay. There's some kind of like sticker or something you should get now from Amazon like, <laughs> that, that designates you as, as that kind of couple from now more. Right. Amazon recommends us. Yeah. <laughs> Pairs well together. Yeah. <laughs> so Byron, I'm going to start with you because I had to find somewhere to do this and your book comes first alphabetically. <laughs> All right. I'll take it. So please tell everybody about Big Gay Wedding. Big Gay Wedding. So Big Gay Wedding is a modern take on uh, the, that classic film with Steve Martin, Father of the Bride. But... <laughs> That's the class. The classic one is Spencer Tracy. Uh, well, a li- but I'm young. <laughs> you're I'm still- young. See, I'm so... old, so that's my Father of the Bride. <laughs> that's right. You're Steve Martin. That's okay. right. But instead of Father of the Bride, it's a mother and it's a couple of gay grooms. And so it's a conservative mom. She runs a uh, rescue ranch in a small town in Louisiana a ranch for misfit animals. And her son Barnett is gay and comes home with this big news. He wants to get gay married there on her farm. So it stirs up a lot of a lot of old wounds and it forces a mom to sort of face her own coming out as loving and supporting her gay son. You mentioned Father of the Bride, which I, I was certainly thinking about a little bit, but it's also like there's a little bit of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert lurking around in there. With like... <laughs> These yeah. people descending on a town, and then there's a little bit of steel magnolias in there because of where you are. Mm-hmm. It's like you just took everything and, and kind of squished it all together in this nice package. Yeah, you found the big in Big Gay Wedding. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's really, it's really. So, A Star Is Born was very personal. It really was a story that was inspired by real life. And Big Gay Wedding took a little bit of a turn in that I'm not mirroring my life as much. We in fact had a, a very little gay wedding. We had a little gay wedding because it was COVID. I just had chemo for testicular cancer. So we were trying to trying to keep the world away a little bit. And in this book, it's fun to play around with people who I've known in my life from the South. So everyone from relatives to servers at restaurants, there is this spirit down there. And I hope that I captured some of that in Big Gay Wedding. Is this the wedding you would have wanted to have had, given the opportunity? <laughs> Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna close right. my ears and then you can answer honestly. It's really weird. I I never had a dream about having a wedding at all, and part of that was just gay marriage wasn't a thing. 
And so for me, my wedding with Stephen was really perfect. It's in, it was in here in Palm Springs in a city that we love and a house that hadn't been touched since the sixties. So it was really old and cool and classic mid-century modern stuff. And, um, so I feel like I had a, a great wedding and, and for the book, I hope I gave the characters, Barnett and Ezra, their perfect big gay wedding. And that, that was what was really important for me there. Hearing about the mid-century modern house, it makes me think of the house from the Gunkle. That's the first thing that popped into my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not a totally dissimilar to how I might've pictured Patrick's house, but this is, yeah, maybe Patrick's house on steroids. Oh, nice. <laughs> I do love how you brought all these people together. Like it's married on a farm. It's a little Hallmark movie kind of vibe with the smaller town. Very gay. What was like your process for what you jammed into the days leading up to the wedding for, for Barnett and Ezra to like do in this town? Well, I tried to really tap into what it was like for my coming out in the South. And that was this sort of Southern speak of not speaking so it's like how's things instead of asking like how's your boyfriend or or oh did you bring me your little friend instead of instead of a parent saying oh are you bringing your partner and so there were there were all these sort of things that were not really discussed and so in these modern times i think it's a little more difficult and i think maybe it should be for parents to get away with that and so i tried to i tried to craft a story uh, around that where some some of those barriers are broken yes hold some feet to the fire that's right let's yeah. let's get talking yeah and it's also great to see queer stories that take place outside of new york la san francisco or even palm springs <laughs> so yeah i really like that it took it and put it in the south especially the environment we find in the south now i think it's important to start those conversations and to expand everybody's idea with what's happening down there. Yeah, I can I I hope there's good conversations especially in places like Texas. Yeah, yeah, I can say like just in the climate even in the 2 years since the Gunkel came out, it's it's scary how quickly things are backsliding. And so there was a really innocent book about a a, a gay uncle who who gets custody of his niece and nephew. I never got pushed back from that in the first year it was out. And then along comes Ron DeSantis and, and the don't say gay bill. And suddenly I'm attacked left and right on, on Twitter because they assume that any any gay person with custody of children is a, a deviant of, of some kind. And it's just, you know, that never, to be able to see that happening in real time, like to go one full year of the book being out and never, never get any pushback like that. And now coordinated attacks like that, it's really... It's really frightening. And it's, and the same with marriage equality. We thought that was the law of the land, but we can't, can no longer take anything for granted. And we're mm -hmm. going to have to fight for every right that we have. Yeah. So it's great. I mean, I love having books like this out there showing the world that we want, but also having the discussions to make sure we keep the world that we want too. We should pause here and say that these books are wildly funny, hopefully. <laughs> so I know that we're, we're, we're getting really serious here, but they're a lot of fun too. Well, you just won the humor award, so yours have to be funny now. I, I right, knock knock. You're under obligation. <laughs> There's a particular line in Big Gay Wedding that struck me, and I really love the quote you have from the Undisputed Guide to Respectable Southern Nuptials. It's just like I grew up in Alabama, so so many of them resonated for me as being that kind of thing. Yeah, but the line that's here that opens part six is, "May anything outside of your love be damned." 
I really found that a powerful thing to hold on to that to me essentially says, no matter what happens, your love is what matters and everything else just be damned. Yeah. How was it for you writing those things that frame each section? Because this is not a real book. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a real book, but uh, I'll tell you, I have had people ask me, like, where did you find these quotes? And I'm like, they're out of my brain, because I, I did try to capture this some spirit of like old school thought um, of how how marriage was viewed back in the day, where just man and a woman, where the lady didn't have rights, basically. And so to contrast that with now these modern times and this modern big gay wedding, so, so that's really where they came from. And, and so each of them sort of is a little bit of a, a way to frame the, the story that's about to, to unfold. I'm going to remember that, though, next time. It's like, did you take out the trash? No, that is outside of our love. It, be, be damned. damned. Be damned. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this one was interesting, too, because in some ways I found this particular line to be progressive for the time that this book is supposed to have come from, which was sometime in the 1800s, if I'm remembering right. Yes. Well, I think the book, I, the book within the book, the book within the yeah. book. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think what I was really, really, really going for for those things are, you know, another thing with these books like that, and and sometimes self help books in general, is a sense of I know everything, I know what's best, I know what things will be like forever, and we know that that's not always the case. People are not always. Things change, our understanding of society and and all that evolves and grows. And so to say everything outside of your love be damned, I can see that both as a, a weapon and a source of comfort for people. And so it it I'm glad that it, it struck you in a in a powerful way because I think that in the past, perhaps in the fictional world where that book came out, it was used as a weapon and and used to keep people apart and families apart and um, but to 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 look at it in a different light that it's something beautiful is also its own source of, source of strength. Yeah, and that's really where I took it because especially when you consider found family in in gay relationships, in some cases you might be pushing your your yeah. your biological family away, yeah. or even society dumping all that stuff on you. So it's it's, it's interesting that you put that other spin on it too, where how it might have been viewed in the 1800s as well. So. Now I want to go back and reread all of those things and think about it in, in the two ways. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, Stephen, let's talk about your book a little bit. Uh, here I am. I've got a copy. Oh, we, oh thank you. <laughs> my, my agent here has a copy to hand. <laughs> You're looking at a different couple of movies that you've brought together here and mashed together with the celebrants. Tell us about this story. Yeah, so the the celebrants was uh, inspired by having rewatched The Big Chill early in, when we were sheltering at home in those early days of of COVID. We were sort of going back and looking for old movies for comfort, and it was a movie I remembered loving. But it's very much about middle age and and what the back half of our lives are going to look like, and a group of college friends coming back together and stressed about getting older, and all of them in the movie are 35, 35 years old. The actors are 35, the characters are 35. And I thought, oh, hell no. Like we're not calling that middle-aged anymore. So all of our characters are a little bit older, but it is a story of a group of college friends who make a pact to reunite at difficult moments in their life. And when we talk about found family, this is this is a, a group that for, for better or for worse is, is there for, for each other again and again. 
as you were putting this together, what kind of led you to the array of characters that you did bring together in this group? Yeah, I think from the start, I haven't, I, there is a same name, same sex couple, the Jordans, they're both named Jordan, which I just got an endless kick out of, because that was always a fear of mine growing up that I would meet another Stephen and they'd be like, oh, should we invite the Stevens? And they'd be like, oh God, no, not, you know, no Steves. So that was, that was a lot of fun to, to deal with. Beyond that, I have my own group of college friends. There's some inspiration. There's no one direct, direct, one-to-one parallel there. But it's fun to take little pieces of people you know and and put them together in, in a centrifuge and come up with a completely new and, and whole character. I think it's a lot of fun. Were any of these people more difficult to write than the others? Because you've got a big cast here and alternating points of view popping all over the place. Yeah, that was both a challenge and a freedom in a way. So my first two books were written in the first person. So they, you know, obviously stayed tight to one character. Even the Gonko was written in the third person was third person close. So we stayed with Patrick's perspective through the whole, through the whole book. And it's not that this is an omnipotent point of view, but we do switch. There is a a section for each character where we kind of focus on each one a little bit more. And that was, I had so much fun in writing that. Just just when I thought like I'd exhausted one character, I got to jump into the shoes of another. And that is just, it was juice as a writer. It was fresh, fresh energy. And I think it, I think the, the book uh, benefits from that too. There's, there's a fresh energy that comes in each time we switch characters. Did a similar kind of energy burst happen as you kept moving the timeline too? Because there's all this past and present and moving around that yeah, way as well. And, and yeah, playing with their reunions, which happen throughout different dates. So I had the luxury of, of picking, looking at the calendar and picking, and okay, what was happening in the world at this time? I sort of purposely steered clear of COVID just because the the book in itself overall, you know, the message is, is very much about, about telling the people you love what they mean to you while you still can. It's a reaction to that so much that we've lost over the past couple of years. And if we haven't lost a person in our life, we're certainly mourning togetherness or time that has sort of slipped away. So the whole book is sort of a reaction to COVID. So I didn't specifically want to dive into those years per se, but 2016 is one of those years that was a rough one. And, and even in, in the present, even in 2023, it sort of had to sort of guess ahead as you were, as I was writing this last year, like what, okay, hopefully no world event comes crashing down that makes this feel false. So it's a kind of a high wire act. Looking at the time, like you talked about, especially writing into the future a little bit with as, as chaotic as things are, that you pulled it off without running into that is, is really kind of a blessing. <laughs> Well, let's see. There's a few weeks left till the book comes out. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, at least we know right here, as we're talking at the start of May, it's all good in the moment. <laughs> let's talk about Jordan Jordy a little bit. Yeah. I can't imagine like putting my writer hat on for a second, trying to balance characters who have the same name, even between Jordan and Jordy, because they're they sound kind of alike. They start with the same consonants, they are the same name. Did that trip you up at all, or did everything kind of work itself out in the in the end in terms of trying to write them? Yeah, well, when I decided I wanted to use that as kind of a trope, I my first job and my commitment is to the reader. It's to make sure that I can orient them and that they aren't confused. And I think maybe that there might be some slight confusion in the first chapter until you get a sense of who these people are. 
But as I said, they're Jordan, or as you said, they're, they're Jordan and Jordi. One has has a nickname, and and then to to sort of give the characters that in real life, and and what what happens when someone is forced to give up their full name in favor of a nickname, even if the you know because that's what the group decided, and what that does to you emotionally. So, and that's an interesting way to look at it too, because nicknames, if you especially if you maybe don't want it can certainly be well especially from difficult. our youth you know like if you were a kid and you were called bobby but you know as a, as an adult you don't feel like a bobby anymore if you are you're a robert but you know no there are certain people in your life who are always going to know you as and, and want you to be bobby and that's sometimes it's difficult to to become an adult and these are college friends who are just starting their lives so to still be assigned these sort of roles that they had when they were young sometimes it doesn't quite fit i love that in the acknowledgments you acknowledge David and David <laughs> for taking all of your questions about being a same name couple. How helpful were they with this? Oh, very. I grilled them for like an hour to say, like, let me know. I want to know every joke. I want to know every challenge. I want to know every mix up. I want to know even within your families, how do you, how, how are you addressed? So that was the writerly curiosity. I, I sort of wanted to get deep down, but that's the fun kind of research because that's, that's research you can do over a cocktail or or three, because that's when the really good stories come out. Yeah, you're not just trapped behind Google or something like that, right, or reading exactly. some old text, uh, old history book or something. Exactly. <laughs> I always love to ask people what their favorite scenes are. We're going to mix it up a little bit this time. Uh-oh, lightning, oh lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stephen, what's your favorite scene in Big Gay Wedding? Oh, goodness. Okay, well, no one has read it yet, so I'm going to try to be slightly vague, but there, there are a couple family dinner scenes one in particular and i know from experience first of all i love a big family dinner scene like you know, i can think that's that's where all the chaos and all the good sort of meat happens in a story sometimes is around the dinner table Me? no pun intended i know from 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 august osage county to uh, national lampoons christmas vacation there's chaos at the dinner table always so and byron writes some exquisitely and i know from experience how difficult they are to pull off when you're writing that many characters in one scene and also how rewarding it is when you do it right and you did it right baby. so look for those big family gender scenes <laughs> reading a scene like that just makes me think good thoughts for your audiobook narrator <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so many people in one spot all those voices coming together <laughs> my narrator is actor noah galvin who people know from television and broadway and all that stuff so it's gonna be great he's so great yeah i'm looking forward to hearing him do it because i've heard him do other audiobooks and i i really like how he tends to perform the reads yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I'm going to pick your book up again to kind of take it in at a more leisurely pace and hear him do all the Southern, too. <laughs> like, yeah. I've not heard him take on Southern. Byron, what about <laughs> favorite scene in the Celebrants? Do you need to read it quickly? I need to hurry and cut it. But skydiving, there's a skydiving scene in here that is the funniest, I think, Stephen has ever written. Funniest scene and maybe the funniest scene I've ever read. I don't give anything away. But it, I think it's really, it's really, it's really brilliant, and it brings out, it brings out all the feels, as the, as the kids say. <laughs> so now people know what, as they're reading, just to look out for as they're going. Now we should get together and write a skydiving dinner scene. Oh, 
Brilliant. <laughs> wow. This is server award winner. Yeah. I love that. We'll see. I can't even imagine how that would actually look, but if you write that, please let me know because I'd love to read. I picture like a long noodle, like uh, flapping in the wind. That's great. What does it look like for you two to be creative husbands? I mean, do you go away to your own corners to do the writing? Is there like consulting? I'm stuck here. Help me out. What does this look like? Are you in the bushes outside our house? Like, how do you know? Because that's kind of, that's pretty much it. There are actual corners. Um, yeah, almost the farthest apart from each other, but... That we could and still be in the same house. That's yeah. right. So it's quiet here. So really we kind of do our own thing and then we meet in the middle for lunch. And then again in the evening to take Raindrop and Shirley for their walk adventure. And and for sure, I lean on Steve a lot. I mean, he's He's had so many brilliant works of art published, and I can go to him and say, is this how this happens? Is First of all, just the process of publishing, but also, yeah. yeah. And then also with the writing, hey, what do you think about this as, as a chapter or a midpoint? Should I expand on this? And so it really is, he's a husband and a resource. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the challenge of it too, right? If Byron's coming to me with something he's just written, is he asking me to look at it as a husband and just offer support and motivation to continue? Or is he looking for a critique from another from another writer? And so sometimes wearing two hats can be can be challenging, but I think we, I think we do it well. And I should, since I don't have a lot of hair on top, I should wear as many hats as I can in the palm spring sun. In terms of the hats, like Byron, do you come to him and say, I need you to be my husband now, or I need you to be Stephen, the author now? Gosh, I think, I think it's I been more intuitive than that, Yeah, which doesn't mean we always get it right, but I think it's more intuitive. I think for both of us, for anyone, married, not married, friends, editor, giving notes is truly an art form. Mm-hmm. It is what's, what's best for where the writer is in their life, in their career, in the process of of this book. So it really does take, speaking of hats, it takes like an empathy hat. It takes a critical hat. Sometimes it's a tough, tough love hat. Yeah. And Um, receiving notes likewise can be just as difficult. It's almost like the stages of grief. The first one is outrage. Like, Absolutely not. You don't. You don't understand this at all. You're you're a moron. <laughs> and then and then it filters down through uh, like for, two sir, days later. He's never said that to me. <laughs> I've never said that to him. Later, you're like more open to hearing it. Yeah. And then a few days after that, you're like, oh, that's a really great note because it's just like you have to have time to grieve what you were trying to do almost until you're open to being like, okay, how can, yeah, this person is actually trying to help me make it better. Or you see maybe what they were trying to say. And yeah. sometimes... Yeah, yeah, it wasn't articulated as clearly as you think it was. But in general, I just like to hear I just like to hear all of it. And if I need to pass it through a filter in my mind later, fine. But I do like to just get the honest, the honest truth. Also, the biggest part about receiving notes is knowing, is deciding which ones to use and which ones to ignore. And that's true for us, too. You're more, you know, we can always ignore each other's notes, too. But we're there if we need it. If we need each other. I also like to ignore him when it comes time to do papers. <laughs> I don't want to vacuum. I don't want to run the dishwasher. Marriage. Have you thought about collaborating on anything besides like the skydiving dinner scene that we just talked about? <laughs> I don't think it's elevated itself to actually happening, but I know we've joked about it. And so we kicked it around a little bit. 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I never say never. Right now, I think things are going well for, for us. We're excited about the projects we have going on. But we kind of do the same thing. And I think our senses of humor are are similar too. And if you like my work, you will like Byron's work and vice versa, hopefully is true as well. So look out, who knows? I can only imagine what you two would come up together because of those senses of humor. And that you you both seem to like big casts a lot too. So it would just be an interesting piece together at some point. So <laughs> if you a few years down the line, we get to have you back and talk about a collaboration. Yeah, talk about our, well. our thousand page collaboration, which is, yeah. <laughs> The 16-hour audiobook. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Get ready, Noah. <laughs> Since this is going out in Pride Month, I'm curious to know what Pride means to you both sitting here in 2023. Wow. Well, the thing that I come back to is something that I actually heard recently, that pride is the opposite of shame. And when I think about my pride in my LGBTQ community, I really do think of it in in those terms. Like I have nothing to be ashamed of anymore. And when I was when I was younger, I did feel shame about being gay. Growing up in the South and having family that wasn't exactly supportive, that kind of thing. And now I look at it and I'm like, for what? So there's there's really no shame left. And I'm proud of this community. I'm I'm proud to be gay. And, and if, if Big Gay Wedding can play some small part in, in people having that word, gay, on a bookshelf, two guys holding hands on a cover, and a story about unconditional love, not just of two men, but family, a mother who loves her son, then I'm, I'm all for it. That's, that's where my head is in pride. Yeah, and I was going to say, I recently turned 50, although I have another birthday coming up this week. So I got, I'm stretching, I'm stretching the definition recently. of recently. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking, too, as as a young gay man coming out in the very early 1990s, that I thought life would be rather short and sad and lonely, to be quite honest. And if anything, the opposite has been true. And life is full of joy and community mm-hmm. and is by comparison to what I feared relatively long, although it's starting to go by faster and faster. <laughs> so, but I really, I really reflect on that. And I feel important, not only to tell these stories, but to, but to be happy and to find joy in life, because there's so many men my age, and just a, a little bit older, who would, I'm sure, kill to, to be here at this time, and to whose lives were, were cut tragically short, and their voices silenced. And and I wish they could be here to see all the changes. And yes, some of the fights are the same and this just as tedious as always, but there's been real progress, even if it's short and it's slow and painful, there is progress. And, um, and that is something to be proud of. Absolutely. Well said to you both. Thank you for sharing that. I do have a question for Stephen that comes from one of our Patreon community members. Ah, Fiona's a huge fan of the Gunkle. She's read it. She's listened to it. <laughs> is there anything that you could share about its movie adaptation? Yeah, I hope to have, sadly, I, I I don't want to be coy. There are things that I'm just frankly not allowed to announce yet, but things are moving along. I would love, you know, we start, we're on a, a writer's strike at the moment as we record this. And so I don't know how that will slow uh, things down or not, but I would love to see the movie in production by this fall. We have a script, we have a, a director, Jason Moore, who's who's wonderful, who directed the first Pitch Perfect movie and most recently Shotgun Wedding with 
J-Lo and Josh Jumel and, and Jennifer Coolidge was great, obviously. And so, and we have, a, we do have a, an actor attached. I can't say who it is yet. So I, so full steam ahead, hopefully this fall, and I'll announce more in detail as soon as I can. Tell Fiona to be worth the wait. <laughs> it's going to be worth the wait. Because Fiona was wondering who you might have in mind for the lead, but since you've got it cast, it's kind of an invalid question. So now we'll yeah, just well, have to I wait was, and see. It's interesting. I love to hear who readers pictured and, and, I'm always excited to hear that. And, and it's an interesting and evolving conversation, too, about the importance of out gay actors playing gay roles. And I, I don't know that I have a hard and fast opinion about that, but it was something that was very important to me for this role. Particularly, I, I think back to Maria from The Sound of Music at Music, Mary Poppins at Actual Magic, but Patrick's magic, so much that he has that is his, his empathy and his humor and his politics and his pop cultural references all stemming from his experience as a, an out gay person. So I think it's really important to have a gay actor take on this role. Mm. So that just, that, now I'm going to have to like really put my well, thinking cap on. Well, now the list. We'll see. Mm. Unless they're willing to come out for, for this role. We'll see. Because it's been certainly wonderful to see movies like Bros and Fire Island and some of those other ones. And just, I can't say what it is because actors act but there's something about those two movies that in particular where it's like you know that these men are out and it it somehow does translate to the screen yeah yeah bros in particular even casting the straight roles with with gay actors was really fun to to watch i do that i take great pride in the gunkle being a studio a big studio family comedy fronted by a queer lead and that's something that shouldn't feel radical, but does. And so yeah. I'm very, I'll am very, i be very proud to see that up on the screen. As I recall, you adapted the screenplay or the book uh, to the screenplay. Yes, correct. How was it to adapt? Well, that's always an interesting process. I've done it for this and the editor, and I did not for, for my first novel, which is also in development. You've got to have, make your peace with the book is the book and that there are certain things that will work, will translate to the screen and other things which don't. And so you can't be precious about your own work and willing to to break it apart to build it, build it back together stronger. Can't wait to see how it turns out. Fingers crossed you get going this year so yeah. that maybe it comes out in 24 sometime. That would be the goal. So we love book recommendations, of course. What have you guys been reading recently that maybe our listeners should check out other than each other's books? <laughs> we, have, we have books here to recommend. Oh, you've uh, got props. Awesome. I got a pitch here for The Old Place by Bobby Finger. Another podcaster. Another podcaster, which is so brilliant, so heartwarming. And another Southern Another small story. town story. Yeah. Yep. Can't go wrong. And then let's see, do you want to sure, talk about this one? Grant? This just out in, in paperback, I've got the hardcover here, but Grant Kinder's Let's Not Do That Again wrote the, the People We Hate at the Wedding, which was a great uh, movie on Amazon earlier this year as well. But his newest I love, Let's Not Do That Again, and it's just out in paperback. Mm -hmm. And then we have some friends who have books coming out. Uh, Male Gazed, uh, Hi Honey, I'm Homo. Matt Baum wrote this one. Yeah, and Manuel Betancourt. Oh, I love his, his YouTube yeah. channel. Yeah, so, yeah. so these are great nonfiction books. One that's kind of a memoir and one about the history of queer characters on TV. So we're very excited about those as well. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Those are some great things. Our, we will link all of that in the show notes, of course. Cool. So as we wrap up, what could you say about what might be coming out for you guys next? Now that you these books are just dropping, what can you see on the horizon? You're, 
I was like, you're either my mother or my agent. So that sort of what's ne- what's next? I was like, can we not just enjoy these for a few minutes? We'll no, we'll see if we can get through our twosome act on the road a little bit and and enjoy where we're at. It's so much work to get a book across the finish line, and so I'm, I'm excited about that. And I think like all creative people, both of us have ideas swimming around constantly. And so it's always just a, a measure of what's going to land, um, and which, which voice in our head is going to be the loudest. Yeah. Well, I have some fun things coming up and I'll stay tuned. I'll, I'll announce as soon as I can. So. And to that end, where can people keep up with you online as you get ready to announce things and also to keep up with the tour? I'm all the usual places. So my website's byronlane.com. I'm on Twitter, Byron Lane. And on Instagram, byronlane.com. But it's D-O-T spelled out because some other guy named Byron Lane got there first. <laughs> and I'm at Mr. Mr. Stephen Rowley on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And the tour is up on my website, stephenrowley.com. So hopefully coming soon to a city near you. Fantastic. Well, Byron and Stephen, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Best of success with these two books you've got coming out. And hope to see you back here with us sometime in the future to talk about some more stuff. Oh, I love chatting with you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This week's transcript has been brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the conversation for yourself, head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. We've got links to absolutely everything that we've talked about in this episode. Thanks so much to Stephen and Byron for the super fun conversation. I loved hearing all about these new books and how they're getting to go out and promote them together. These books just came out last week on May 30th, and I've already seen some super fun Instagram posts from the events that they've done so far. All right, I think that's going to do it for now. Coming up next, author Lisa Bunker is going to be joining us to talk about her new middle grade book, Joy to the World. Joy to the World is about a 12-year-old trans girl living in Texas who is banned from being on her school's cheer squad. Lisa co-wrote this book with young trans activist and former Texas resident Kai Shapley. And it was so great to talk to Lisa about writing this book that is very much about what's happening right now in red states across the country. It's a great conversation that you won't want to miss. If you made it this far, all the way to the end of the episode, Jeff and I want to sincerely thank you for joining us for this week's Pride episode. And we hope that you'll join us again soon for more discussions about the kinds of stories we all love, the big gay fiction kind. Until then, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Original theme music by Daryl Banner. 